the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Another disgraced pastor announces a comeback, and then we're joined by Cliff Lee to talk about his new movie, No Vacancy. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Thursday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a Thursday afternoon. Aubrey, Thursday, almost the weekend. How almost are you today? Almost the weekend. I'm doing wonderful. How about you, Brian? I'm doing well. Tomorrow I get to go. And uh, tomorrow and for the weekend, we get to go see my daughter well, up at college. So weekend. That's Very so excited. Yeah, I've never obviously been a parent at Parents Weekend. So uh, I do know what this means is I'm going to spend a lot of money on food. As you remember, like, not only would you go out and make your parents take you out to nice dinners, but you're like, can I bring a roommate? Can I bring this? No, that is true. Madeline and has already your... asked us. She has already asked, after this, could could I invite some of my friends? And then she said, like, and I'll tell them to pay. I'm like, you don't need to you tell your friends pay, to pay. But I that's got gonna it. Be, that's not going to be a joke because you're not taking them to McDonald's, right? I joked with my wife. I'm like, I'm sure there's a Wendy's in the wrap. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be a wonderful weekend, you know. Spend money on kids. It'll be fun. So. It'll be so fun. We are glad that you're with us today. All right, Aubrey, you and I have spent a lot of times in the last two years talking about disgraced pastors, pastors who have, uh, who were well-known, who then something happened to which they lost their pulpit, they lost their church, they lost their job, whatever else it might be. And oftentimes, there comes a comeback. Mm -hmm. So we've got another one of those. I'm reading... Uh, the headline here, Brian and Bobby Houston announce ministry comeback event in Australia. Okay. Following a recent U.S. preaching tour, disgraced Hillsong founder Brian Houston and his wife Bobby have returned to Australia and apparently are attempting a comeback. On November 9th, the celebrity ministry couple has planned an evening with Bobby and Brian. Build as a time of connection, fellowship, preaching from Brian Houston and prayer. The event will be held three miles from Hillsong's flagship campus in Australia. Uh, they said this. They announced that all the tickets were gone in less than two hours. Wow. And then they said this. Great things start with small beginnings. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a small beginning. It but doesn't sound big. Uh, they said, we miss the congregation at Hillsong Church enormously, and hopefully we'll have a chance to tell our story soon. So you might remember it was only in March that Brian Houston resigned as global senior pastor of mm-hmm. Hillsong Church after an internal investigation found that he acted inappropriately towards two women. Hillsong revealed that Houston had allegedly spent time alone in a hotel with a woman who was not his wife and sent flirtatious texts to Hillsong staffers. You just remember this all bubbled up and it just kept going. And they stepped away. So, Aubrey, it's yet another time where big church, big fall, immediate comeback. Yeah. Tell, remind our people why you and I think this is such a bad idea. Uh, I like, I like, that's what I want to say to you. I want to go, (laughs) Exactly. uh. So, okay. I... This one's hard for me to talk about because I have friends who know them really well. Okay. And so, I, you know, anytime it gets personal, you kind of go, hmm. I doubt they're listening. <laughs> no, I doubt they're listening, but it changes when you're like, they're not just these like 2D people. They're 3D mm-hmm. people, right? And I know that they are very, they are very well loved. That said, I tend not to think that restoration to the pulpit is always the right thing. Always restoration before God, always restoration before the community if the work's been done, but not necessarily restoration to the role. Now, to me, it doesn't sound like they're necessarily going back to work at Hillsong. No, right? no, like, no, this that is their ship own, has sailed this for is sure. Their own thing. So, but I, and, and the speed that which this is happening makes me uncomfortable. I would say that is the key right there is, uh, a lot of times, I think you and I would agree, restoration to the pulpit should never happen. But I think we would yeah. always say quick restoration to the pulpit seems problematic. It is super problematic. I mean, this is, Mar- I don't know, this is, 
I'm going to paint with a broad brush here. This seems everything wrong with kind of big celebrity church. Yeah. It fell in March. Yeah. And then you begin by like a a celebrity couple event in which you're selling tickets that sell out. And now you're doing another like it just feels icky. Is that, you, is that the right word there? Icky? Yeah, and this is off topic a little bit, but I, I saw something posted. I think Jonathan Merritt was posting, and he can be a little controversial for some people, but <laughs> a little. he posted that uh, Stephen Furtick and yes. Elevation Church was hosting a concert, and some of the tickets were being sold for $1,000 a Not hosting a concert. They're on a concert tour. They're on a concert tour, $1,000 a ticket. The closest seats are $1,200. You can sit way in the upper deck for like twenty fifty. It's a concert. So I understand that's not the same as this, okay? Nope. But there is something about that celebrity thing where you can just have your own event and make thousands of dollars and call it kingdom work. And so it's a question in my mind, is this okay? So I was going to talk to you about that. Maybe we'll bring that up. I would suggest the Furtick thing. Mm-hmm. We're there. It's Just don't call it worship. What do you call it? An it's a, a concert. concert. A concert. And They're then you can charge whatever you want. traveling around to major or major venues mm-hmm. to play music and yeah. sell merchandise yeah. and Furtick will get up and talk a little bit. Don't call it worship yeah. and then sell tickets for 1200 bucks. Just call it what it is. We're having a ma- money-making concert event and a lot of you will enjoy it and uh, we'll talk about Jesus too. I mean, I think that's it. Now, when Back it- to the Houstons. I, I heard somebody recently and I can't, Brian, maybe you and I were talking about this, but somebody said a pastor should not be restored. Uh, they said if it happens, it needs to be at least a decade later. Wow. That was their sort of, they said, if it happens at all, a decade later. Because you can do ministry without having to have a pulpit again. And like, maybe you don't need to be in a pulpit again. But they said a decade is the amount of time it takes to really deal with like your sin, your flaws, your false self, all of that. And so to see that like now March to October is not even close to a year. And it does. I mean, this had took planning. This yeah. Took, I yeah. think this happened right away. I think you and I both are in agreement with that. Uh, but love it or not, they're going to run events. I would suspect this will end itself in a church. Oh, uh, for sure. In in a actually multiple churches in a yeah. church network. Yeah. You don't grow something like Hillsong and then just go. Yeah, you know, we're not going to do that again. Right. Right. And if yeah, if you have that like apostolic gifting or drive or whatever, you're not going to just not build something. Yeah, exactly. It's probably unfair to even bring this up, but I'm going to do it because it's in the story. They sold their house for four point five million dollars. Hey! One of their three homes. <laughs> I need to be a pastor in Australia. Yeah, we're in the wrong. We're in the wrong pastoral business. Brian. All right. Can I bring up one more unfair story that ah, I think you're not going to? Yeah, let's hear it. See what Meghan Markle said the other day? I saw this and I was like, I wonder if Brian's going to bring this up. Did you see? This felt like it was like, hey, I'm the victim here. She said, I was treated like a bimbo, objectified on deal yeah. or no deal because she was one of the people who opened the, the briefcases. Right, right. We've all seen Deal or No Deal and felt very uncomfortable by all this. All those women gun. are objectified. Yeah, isn't that what they signed up for? I, yeah, I yes, they signed up for it, but I just still think I ju- hate it. Like the, the price is right when they're bringing of, women out. When they're like absolutely, you right. can't, you still can't blame the victim. I mean, it's just like the uh, the objectification of women. The <laughs> I don't know the objectification of women. I'm never going to be like, yeah, Megan, it's your fault. You know, I, Not fault. this is the this was the opportunity that these women had to get in and it just ended up being gross and objectifying them and i i will always feel bad for the women it, it, even it, if they decided to take on the job i will I, always feel bad for i them. do not understand in game shows why they i guess i do understand it sells but even back in the 80s the price is right and oh they'd have it, barker's beauties as oh, they were referred oh, it's just to. horrendous it's absolutely it really horrendous is. and sinful and evil and i hate it oh but our friend megan markle coming back into the news we're getting closer and closer to uh, the midterm elections. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy to well, me. Now we've reached the time where it's like, just please end. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see the commercials. <laughs> you all are, you all make just fools of yourselves at these debates. Let's yeah. just end all of this. But it does raise a question that clearly our nation is more and more fractured. Uh, you've got quote unquote blue states, red states. Right. Or even within our state, right? You've got. You know, Chicago is very different from downstate Illinois. True. But uh, Illinois tends to be a very blue state, yeah. especially up this way. Yeah. Uh, and with that, as most Christians, evangelicals tend to be more conservative. That's not completely all the time true, but tend to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a- you and I have both had people in our lives 
who've moved away. We have had. Do you know people who have moved away around political, cultural, uh, conservative? T- talked about that. A hundred percent. As opposed to taxes. Yes. I I know not a ton of people, but I can think about a handful of people right now who specifically moved because they felt like they didn't want to be in a blue state anymore. Right. It was getting too liberal or too, especially during the pandemic. They didn't like the decisions that were being made, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So and they, now that we can work on remotely. Yeah. Yeah. That opened the door for yep. a lot of people. Yep. Keep going. Lots of people. Uh, no, no, that's just what I was going to say is I, I felt like there was almost a like a fleeing. Yes. Of people to Tennessee. Tennessee. That's literally where everybody <laughs> moved. They uh, all went to yep. Tennessee. Everybody went to Tennessee. Yep. I knew of somebody who went to Tennessee and they unashamedly said it was to be around more people who believe like we do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cons- uh, politically. Um, religiously, re- religiously, religiously, yeah, all of that stuff, plus the taxes and this. Sure. The, this article over at the Gospel Coalition, they talk about a organization called Conservative Move. You ready with, for what they are? Uh-oh. They are a real estate company helping thousands of people relocate to red states. Here's their tagline. We're moving you to values, prosperity, and safety. Oh, are they? Wow. (laughs) They said it's like leaving a really bad relationship. When you get out and you move to, say, Texas, Florida, the Dakotas, Wyoming, you look back and say, why did I tolerate that abuse for so long? Uh, And so here's the question that really the Gospel Coalition, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You hear about people fleeing California or, Mm -hmm. you know, Illinois, Mm -hmm. New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it's probably going in reverse too. very progressive people probably going. I want to move to San Francisco or I want to move to a big city or somewhere else that more fits what I believe. Will Anderson over at the Gospel Coalition ask the obvious question and the important question. Should Christians relocate to conservative Mm. areas? Not are they. But should they? How would you begin to even process that question? Because it's probably not an easy yes or no. Uh, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I I can tell you where I would land, but I will say under the umbrella of this is probably not a one size fits all. This is not like a sin issue. This is not a um, it, there could it depending on your family, depending on your family's needs, depending on your situation that could make the decision for you. I. There's also, again, the assumption here that, like, most Christians are conservative. I I think what worries me mm-hmm. about the Christian flight away from whether you want to say liberal or just, like, non-Christian environments is then, like, then where's the light in the darkness? Where's mm-hmm. the love of Jesus? And I really, like, if we're called to make disciples— and who make disciples, if we're called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that assumes that you're with people who don't know the saltiness of Jesus or the light of the world, Jesus. And you can't, I I don't know. I think it, it worries me if all the Christians leave, then Mm -hmm. like, where's evangelism happening? Where's discipleship? Where are people going to see the love of Jesus? And I don't think the call is to live in your own safe little bubble where no one you're not being challenged and you're not uh, living on mission. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's easy for me to say, I guess, in the safety of the suburbs where a lot of our neighbors and friends are Christians. Um, I, I don't know that it's wise for any of us to only be around people just like us. So uh, I tend to agree with you. Um, I do think this question has gotten more and more complicated over the last decade, maybe, yeah. or, so you and I, we both have kids who are getting a little bit older, mm-hmm. but let's back up a little bit. Let's pretend our kid. Well, no, let's have our kids be this age, right? Okay. But maybe they're more mobile. Like right now, if I tried to move my kids, they'd be like, see you, dad. Yeah, like, you go. Same, right. But let's pretend that that wasn't the case. Yeah. How does, how do kids play into this yeah. in your mindset? Um, in terms of like, I get it. We want to be lights in darkness. Yeah. Uh, but it feels... I wrestle with that when it's, but I want my kids to also have to be, they might not be prepared for that. Like they you might don't not want be, your kids to like they, die to, on the altar of ministry or yeah, whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. it's unfair to ask them to shoulder that. What do you think about that? Yes and no. I mean, if you're raising a Christian family and scripture says that the world will know us by our love, like shouldn't our kids know how to love people that aren't like them? And I, I guess I can only speak, you know, anecdotally. So I I went to a Christian high school growing mm-hmm. up. I went to a Christian college. 
Kevin went to Christian college with me, but he did not go to Christian high school. But Kevin is now still, years and years later, still really good friends with his non-Christian friends from high school. And because they've known each other for so long, there's like a long-term relationship. And so now, years and years later, those guys come back to him when they have marriage problems or or parenting, parenting questions or like deeper questions about the meaning of life. Because Kevin, one, was friends with them when they were different, didn't mm-hmm. have the same faith background, and he stayed in a place. Do you know what I mean? Like, they know him as the one pastor that they know, and he stayed in the yeah. same place. If Kevin and I were to flee to Nashville, those relationships change. And I'm not saying there's not technology in the phone and blah, 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 but I sure. I think our it's good for our kids to see that and know how to relate to people that are different than yeah. them and know how to really wrestle with some of these hard questions. The rest of us are just like, I don't know, I can't deal with it. Yeah. Now, again, this is why I said it's kind of family per family. Because if your kid's in danger, if you're seeing your kid being discipled in a way you're not excited about, like that changes the dynamic, yeah. certainly. Yeah. I, I think there's one caveat to this conversation we haven't really discussed. There's no such thing as the promised land. That's it. Like there's. Yeah. Uh, my guess is that it may be harder to be a Christian right now in Nashville <laughs> for very, maybe mm, not harder. I but would push back harder against to that. Ra- all right. Harder to raise your kids. The bubble's not an easy place to raise your kids. The bubble's is not what an I'm easy saying. place to raise so your kids. Maybe it has not its easier. own. It has its own fake religiosity. Correct. So for I sure. do think there's this idea that people get: if I could just get to Nashville, if I could just get to yeah, Texas, then we'll be if everything I could will just be okay. get to whatever. Yeah, and then you get there and you're like, oh, we got a whole new set of yeah, problems. Yeah, that's now. true, Brian. It's a little bit of what we felt when we got to a Christian college like Wheaton. Love yeah. Wheaton to yeah, love it to death. Totally. Uh, you know what was it? It wasn't one ongoing Billy Graham crusade. <laughs> there were no, you're right. It there wasn't. were lots it of warts and yeah. everything going on there. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, let me just read how they end this article. Okay. He says, "God sees every act of faithfulness, rewards obedience, and guarantees justice." Do we actually trust God to deliver those promises, or do we scan Zillow looking for our own personal promised land? An address is more than some numbers and letters or a pin on a map. Sometimes it's a statement about who we believe God is. So I think this is going to become a bigger and bigger issue as things fracture and fracture. Mm, uh, I think you're right, Brian. each election, I think um, you're going to have your red states and your blue. They're going to be really red and really blue. Yeah, it's about to get really divisive. It feels like yeah, it. It right. feels like right. it. We love movies. So this is very exciting for us because we are joined by Pastor Cliff Lee. He's a senior pastor at First Baptist Leesburg, Florida. But we are here to talk with him about this brand new movie, No Vacancy. Pastor Lee, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Great to be with you all. All right. So tell us a little bit about this movie and what in the world is a senior pastor doing connected to it? Yes. Well, I have a very creative uh, co-worker. Our executive pastor runs a media company somehow on the side <laughs> called Kingstone Studios. And this is his second attempt to put some stories of our church um, into film. And so basically he combined a couple of stories that deal with our ministry to the community and wrote a script and raised some money, hired some producers and actors and this is the result of uh, his hard labor. No, it's awesome. Aubrey and I are uh, both pastors, and so uh, always looking for executive pastors <laughs> to do movies on the side or something. <laughs> How fun is that? Uh, <laughs> hey, Cliff, tell us this. Tell us the backstory. Tell us what happened at your church that led to this movie, No Vacancy. You bet. Well, over thirty years ago, our pastor emeritus, my predecessor, had a real heart for community ministry. And so we started what we refer to as the Christian Care Center, which has uh, two Christian rehabs, a children's shelter, a pregnancy care center, a homeless shelter, and things of that nature. And we've added to it through the years. So there's kind of two stories combined in one. The first one deals with a, uh, a person that was a, a crack addict that came to our church. His name, he's, uh, he's the late Cecil Johnson, was a wonderful man of God. But he came to our men's care center, the Christian rehab, came to know the Lord, got free from drugs. And the other story intermingled with that deals with the founding of our homeless shelter, which is called the Samaritan Inn. And that came right about a year after I got here. I moved here in 2007. And in 2008, in the midst of the recession then, there was a 
kind of a homeless crisis in Central Florida. And so those two stories combine to share the story of no vacancy. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. This is this is based on a true story out of your church. And Cliff, um, I'm guessing your team has some hope about how the church or just even the general population will begin to think about homelessness and addiction after watching the film. What are your hopes in particular? Well, for years, our church has served as a resource to other churches that want to get involved in community ministry. Matter of fact, today, there was a group from North Carolina that flew down to spend the day with us and learn about this. And so those kind of calls have increased since the movie. And we just, all we do desire to do is help others just kind of share our experiences of what we've done to help get those kind of ministries going. And we think this movie could inspire a lot of churches to want to really get their hands dirty in helping the, the least of these among us. Yeah. And Cliff, tell us what effect has, has this ministry, you guys have so many extensive ministries into your community, uh, what effect has it had on your church? How has it shaped the DNA of your church? Well, I guess an advantage I have is I wasn't here for all the fussing to get it started. <laughs> you know? Smart. I mean, I'm kind of a, a late-in-the-game recipient. But, I mean, you know, we're a, we're a normal, uh, you know, kind of middle-class suburbia, predominantly Anglo-American kind of group. And so to, to say, hey, we're going to bring in the dregs of humanity into our pretty little church was a, was a tough sell back in the day. But basically, our senior pastor uh, insisted on it. And so I inherited a group that had flipped over the concept of community ministry, ministry evangelism. So for me, I just got to enjoy the fruit of his labor and mm. just kept it going and kept trying to find new ways to do it. But uh, our church really, uh, um, you know, some people kind of join or move to this area. or re- We're in a big retirement area. Some folks hear about our church and retire near us so they can support it, volunteer, and things of that nature. Wow, that's so fantastic. I'm I'm guessing there are some, like, themes or lessons may not be the right word, but, you know, some points that the movie makes, some ways that it'll encourage those who watch. W- what are some of those themes that the movie draws from? Well, certainly one of the big thing, uh, themes is that no one is beyond the, the reach of God mm. because uh, basically— uh, Cecil was uh, suicidal and had his. He comes from a a home where I believe it's his three older brothers had all lost their life to drugs, and his mother was a praying woman. And in the movie, she's a small character, and she's like, "I'm not going to lose, Lord, this last son of mine." And so it's a story of redemption. When you're on your last rope, God can still break through. There's also sort of a sub character. We, by the way, the Lord really gave provided some great actors and an actress mm-hmm. too. Um, but the, um, the subplot is there, there literally was a reporter who was not a Christian, not even fond of church, who helped get the word out through her journalism about our, some, about our inn, our homeless shelter, and God used her to get a bunch of secular donations like a, a bank and some other things. That kinda, it kind of comes out at the end. I don't want to give the ending away, but it has a bit of a it's a wonderful life. Type <laughs> of That's great. Yeah. And Cliff, do you find that people coming to the shelter or people in the community care area, are they then connecting to your church? Are, are you seeing people come to faith? What, what are the results you're seeing as it pertains to your church? Yeah, that's a great question. Now, certain ministries more than others, like, for instance, our medical ministry and our benevolence, our food and clothes pantry, doesn't generally result in a lot of folks connecting with our church. But the, we, we have three, we had four, during COVID, our children's shelter has had to take a pause. But we have three residential shelters. Like, in other words, we have like 100 people that live in our church uh, in, in, in rehabs and the homeless shelter. And those folks generally stay connected to our church if they're from this area. Mm. And some will relocate just for the accountability. You know, if you're an addict and you, you have all your addict friends and all your dealers back home, you're probably going to want to stick around in Leesburg because you know of a community that can help you. So, yes, definitely, people come to know Christ, not as much as in the end as they do in our rehabs, because it's a lot of intensive Bible study in the two, in the men's and women's uh, uh, Christian rehab. But, yeah, folks are coming to the Lord and staying connected with our church, certainly. That's so fantastic. Again, the movie is No Vacancy. Where can people stream and find out more about the film? Well, um, it is streaming at SalemNow.com. And soon, I think it's within a week, it's going to be on most of your major platforms, such as 
Amazon Prime and all those other ones that I can't seem to remember. But, it's still, <laughs> but you can go to NoVacancyMovie.com and click there, and it'll tell you exactly where to go. Awesome. And Cliff, are you in the movie? Or, or, do you, or is there an actor playing Cliff in the movie? Well, I will tell you, I have a, a cameo at the very end, but yes, I, uh, my actor, I am played by Superman. <laughs> uh, soup, I guess that means super pastor, but uh, Dean Kane from no. Lois hey! and Clark. Yeah, he plays he plays Pastor Cliff, which was crazy, you know. I'm guessing you approved that casting. You know, you yeah, know I mean, uh, Clooney and Pitt weren't available, so, <laughs> so we went with Dean Cain. Oh, I love it, I love it. Well, Pastor Cliff Lee, who you can see in a cameo in this movie, No Vacancy, he's the senior pastor at First Baptist Leesburg. You can find out more about No Vacancy wherever it is you stream your movies Cliff, it's been so fantastic. We're so excited about this film. Thanks so much for being here with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Now, Aubrey, you and I talk all the time that we are former youth directors, youth pastors. We ran youth ministries. Uh, I'm now beating you because we're about to bring on somebody. <laughs> You're winning. Somebody who was in my youth ministry back in the day who made something of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. It's and all because of you, Brian. I'm well done. This well done. Right here. We're excited to have on the pastor of the orchard up here in Arlington Heights. Uh, that pastor's name is Brad Weatherall. Brad, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to have you back with us. And hey, we're going to talk to you a little bit about a conference going on through the Gospel Coalition at the Orchard, the Gospel Coalition's regional conference called Teach Us to Pray. But before we do that, why don't you introduce yourself a little more? Let people get to know you a little bit. Yeah, well, like I uh, like you just mentioned, my most outstanding quality is that I had the privilege of being one of your students. Thank uh, you back very much. In the day, uh, <laughs> Ellen. Did you and, pay him? Uh, uh, um, <laughs> so so grateful for for those years, uh, Brian. I remember many times coming over after middle school and or high school, and uh, uh, you taking me and a group of guys maybe out to McDonald's or somewhere to eat, and uh, just hanging out with us. But also the time you spent teaching us. The word encouraging us. I'm uh, genuinely so so grateful. I appreciate so, that, friend. Grew up uh, in Glen Ellen. Went to uh, uh, went to Taylor University in Indiana for undergrad. Uh, came back to the area for seminary up at Trinity. Got connected with our church, the Orchard, at that time, where I now serve as pastor. And I also have the privilege of serving on the steering committee for uh, the Gospel Coalition's Chicago regional chapter. And that's the that's the connection to this event. And I'm married to Kristen, and we have two kiddos and one on the way in January. Oh, congrats. congratulations. How fun. Well, tell us a little bit about the event. I know it's called Lord Teach Us to Pray. Uh, tell us uh, about it. Right. So uh, the Gospel Coalition has regional chapters around the country, and they'll do different things. Ours uh, likes to gather, uh, if at all possible, every other year or so for a regional conference where the goal is to give believers from our area an opportunity to come to a local, affordable uh, conference full of rich biblical teaching. Our main sessions are taught by council members from the Gospel Coalition and could talk about those speakers uh, uh, in a moment. But the, the theme and that title, Teach Us to Pray, comes right out of Luke 11, verse 1, where the disciples look at Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think in those five words, the disciples make this humble admission that their prayer lives are not what they could be. They have room to grow. They want to learn. And all of us uh, would be there as well, desiring to grow in what it means to truly pray. Yeah, and I'd love for you to talk more about that, Brad, because, you know, as a pastor, I hear that from people all the time. Like, I want to pray, but I don't really know how to pray. It does feel like uh, an admission we all need to make is that we have room to grow and pray, just like you said. Is it, uh, what, what do you, how do you help people understand that when you talk to them about prayer? Well, absolutely. And I think the the best thing to know is we're all in that together. I mean, these are the disciples. They're walking directly with Jesus. And one of them or multiple of them finally gets the courage to admit, hey, we're not so good at praying, or we at least see that we need to grow. Lord, would you teach us? And he responds to that kind of humility with uh, uh, with very practical and direct help. He gives them the Lord's prayer. And uh so uh, I think one thing is for all of us to just acknowledge the reality that we're not the prayers that we wish we were, mm. that we have room to grow, and then to look to the clear instruction and encouragement and help we find in Scripture on how it is we actually can pray. And I think the the uh, prayer 101 would begin then with the Lord's Prayer, which mm-hmm. he then gave to the disciples. Fantastic. 
And Brad, um, who is this event for? Like, who should be attending? Who should be registering? Anyone who would like to come. Uh, it is, it, you know, we, we do events at TGC Chicago that are specifically designed for pastors. Uh, this is not one of those events. We'll have many pastors come in. We're thankful for that. But this is an event for anyone in the area who is uh, interested in spending a Friday evening and a Saturday morning singing together, sitting under some great teaching together, uh, exploring the topic of prayer together and growing as a result. Yeah, and before we get into the details of how people can sign up, Brad, uh, tell us who are, who are some of the teachers who, if I gave of my time and went to this conference, who do I get to hear from? Yeah, so we have four main speakers at the conference. Uh, Colin Smith, who's the pastor, senior pastor here at the Orchard at our church. H.B. Uh, Charles Jr., who is a pastor down in Florida. Juan Sanchez, who's a pastor in Texas and Kevin DeYoung, who's a pastor out in uh, Matthews, North Carolina. So each of those men are council members of the Gospel Coalition. Uh, They're uh, highly esteemed preachers, uh, going to be uh, a great joy and delight to sit under their ministry for the weekend. And uh, do you happen to know, Brad, like what angle of prayer each of those sessions will be covering, or am I asking you to get a little too (laughs) (laughs) nitty-gritty? No, that's a great question. So uh, I'll just run you through our sessions. Colin Smith is going to speak on the Lord's Prayer, so right there out of Luke 11, which we were just talking about. H.B. Charles Jr. will be speaking on the Sinner's Prayer from, uh, from Psalm 51, so prayer of confession and the value of that. Juan Sanchez is going to speak on the Lamenter's Prayer from Nehemiah chapter 1. Prayers of lament, uh, I think, are extremely valuable in a world that is so obviously fallen and broken and painful. Learning to lament well uh, will be a great gift for everyone who comes, and Juan will help us with that. And then Kevin DeYoung will be speaking on the Savior's Prayer, uh, 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 the high priestly prayer, as it's sometimes known, out of John 17. Oh, it sounds like a great conference. Uh, hey, Brad, let me ask you this. When we have pastors on, uh, Aubrey and I both, we love to talk to pastors on this show. So let me ask you a pastoral question. Um, what is encouraging to you right now? What is encouraging to you about being a pastor? What encourages you about the church? Because we always talk about all the hard things that have happened with COVID, uh, politics, everything else. But what encourages you right now as you kind of do the day in and day out ministry? Yeah, that's a good question. There's lots. I, you know, just as we're talking about prayer, it, it I, I'm encouraged by, uh, by long term faithfulness amongst God's people, amongst churches, congregations, uh, to the what we might just describe as the basics, to the Scripture as God's Word, to prayer as this wonderful opportunity to speak to our Heavenly Father, uh, to Christian community in the local church and the way in which we need each other. You know, there, is, it's every, there are so many complex topics and so many challenging things going on, which you've alluded to, but for thousands of years now, the, the, the bread and butter, the, the staple ministry of of the local church and of God's people has been the word and prayer and doing this in fellowship with one another. And we see people doing that in our church and, and in, and, and in, and in any faithful church and there's great fruit from it. So it's not, uh, you know, there's of course space and time for wonderful new things and all sorts of uh, new initiatives and creativity, but God's people coming back to the basics mm-hmm. is really nourishing and really encouraging to see. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Brad, tell our listeners where they can find out more about the conference and where they can register for it today. Yeah, so if you go to chicago.thegospelcoalition.org, again, that's chicago.thegospelcoalition.org, you will find uh, our chapter's website, and right on the banner of that front page will be a big uh, logo that says, Teach Us to Pray, and you click there you'll get all the information on the conference as well as the space to register. Awesome. It sounds like a great conference, Brad. Again, that's the Gospel Coalition. Uh, Teach us to pray. Brad, it's so fun to have you on, man. Like, you know, to, to have you doing such good things. Now, I'm, I'm old enough to be like, it just makes me proud. So. It's fun for me to watch Brian, like, watch, like, hear, talk about you right now. I, you, I really wish fun. you could see his face in the studio, it's Brad. Fun. He's, he's it's smiling. Fun. It's good to catch up, Brad. Glad to hear you're doing well. Thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, great to talk with both of you, and uh, thanks so much for having me, and let's catch up more soon, Brian. Absolutely. We are joined by a brand new teammate. Teammate. I almost almost called you a classmate, but you're a brand new teammate here at AM 1160. (laughs) 
Dan Lights. Dan has a new show that will be airing Sundays at 9 a.m. Dan, we're so excited that you're here with us today. Well, I'm excited to be on with you, and I appreciate it, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a clown mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, well, tell us a little bit about kind of who you are, where you're from. Give us some background about you before we dive into your show. Okay, and, I, and I'll try to keep it a little, a little, little short for you, but um, uh, many, many years ago, I was in a little little church in, called Mount Zion down in Manny, Louisiana. And I, I heard a preacher preaching with the typical fire and brimstone, you know, back then. And I'm a little young kid, and man, I'm just getting scared, basically. <laughs> and I feel God speaking to me and say, saying, you will do what he does, but in a different way. Hmm. And for a young kid, I'm thinking, what the heck is he <laughs> yeah, What does that right? mean? And, uh, and I just kind of thought nothing, nothing about it, you know. And, uh, and then fast forward many years later, I, I got involved in a network marketing business, and it turned out it was a Christian uh, 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 branch of them, if you will. And so what we were doing is actually using the business to meet people, to lead people to Christ. So, was, mm. so I thought, Hey, maybe that's, maybe that's what the call was many, many years ago, you know, just doing something like that. And, uh, then I, we fast forward and, uh, I'll date myself now. Um, I owned a pay telephone business many <laughs> years ago Oh wow! and of course not too many people use that today, but um, we're in all types of areas in, in the Chicagoland area. And, and I remember one, one day I was praying to God and said, God, can you use me to reach one soul a day for a year? Wow. And, uh, and it, it, thank God he did. I mean, some days you, I led three, four people to Christ. Some days I, I wouldn't have any, but throughout the year, he actually hit it right on the 365. And I thank God for that. Wow. And, uh, so, you know, that's kind of a little of the background. Um, yeah. I remember I was, fasting and praying one time and, and for God to lead me where, you know, where do you want me to go? I'll do whatever you want to do. Mm. And, uh, you know, day by day, I, I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing it's day 23. And one Lord, please. And he says, go back to your reading. Hey, I would read a chapter of, you know, in the Bible a, a night, every night before I went to sleep. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to do that. Why are you sending me back there? So of course, as, as God humors me, I'm back and forth with him. And finally I said, okay, I'm going to go to my reading. So I opened up the Bible and instead of stopping at a chapter, I stopped at a verse, which I thought was very strange. So I read the verse and it was Jeremiah 1, 7. It says, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee and whatever, so whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And I thought, oh my Lord, <laughs> now what does this mean? And that's kind of how, how he, he drew me in, in if you will. Um, we began CrossCon Ministries in June of 2007. And back then I was just a guitar player, singer, and uh, we'd, uh, we'd go out to churches. And as a matter of fact, our first uh, concert we did, uh, fundraiser, was in the, the old Cabrini Green, if you guys wow. remember that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, not today's, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we did our first fundraiser there, and it was kind of funny that uh, – uh, we we're unloading the trailer, and one of the girls uh, who was singing with this says, "Oh, and well, this is around in June sometimes." So they're blowing off early fireworks, and I looked at her and kind of smiled. I said, "Well, that's not fireworks," and she said, "Well, if it's not fireworks, <laughs> then what, what is it?" it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so that's that's kind of how how we got got that thing going over there, but. Uh, um, and Aubrey, I, I hear you were at one of the exponential conferences. I was. I was at uh, Exponential Chicago just last week, and I've done a few of the other ones in the past, but I was at the most recent one. Well, very cool, very cool. Um, my pastor back in the day uh, it was at the Community Christian Church, so Dave Ferguson. Yeah, oh, started that's it. so fun. So we, yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd mention that to you. But um, so I was playing guitar with them, and uh, also one day I get this. Uh, 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 email, group email, said reason number, let's just say 36 to attend Exponential. I'm thinking, what in the world is Exponential? Let me <laughs> talk about some speaker. Yeah. And next day, reason number 35, reason number 34. And so finally, I called Dave up. I said, hey, I think I'm on this group email by, by accident. And he said, no, no, it's not by accident. I said, well, what is this Exponential thing? He said, well, click on the link. Okay. So I click on the link. World's largest church planting yeah. conference, you know, in the United States. Right. I'm a guitar player. <laughs> I tool, right? So as I'm, I'm reading about it, I'm, I'm, I'm reading it. To, okay, it's in March. It's in Orlando, Florida. Yep. Let's see, I live in Chicago. That'll be pretty cold still then. 
okay, uh, let me read further. So I read some more about fundraising, you know, for nonprofits and things. And I said, okay, I think I can make this work. And, you know, little sun versus the winter snow. Heck yeah, I'm right. <laughs> That's awesome. That so I love that. that. That was in 2010. And they had the 10-10-10 initiative, which was how many churches could they start on October 10th, uh, 2010? So it would be 10-10-10. Yeah. And prior to this, I had met um, uh, several, I won't go into it, it's a long story, but I had met several pastors. Uh, one of them was on the West Side Pastor, uh, William Barnes later. Met a couple other guys at the Cabrini Tr- Green Church and uh, uh, John Thomas and Minister uh, Bishop. And uh, we had always talked about maybe starting a church. And uh, so I, I get back, I call them all up. I said, hey, let's put the stake in the ground. Let's start a church on 10, 10, 10. And uh, so that's where we began. Uh, that was, of course, back in 2010. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that's uh, fantastic. Uh, just, so, I mean, God is amazing how he works. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, I, I remember I was meeting John at a possible church location. And I'm thinking, you know, starting big, that's kind of what I do, right? And uh, uh, we, we come up, and I, I had Google mapped it. This is years ago, so it wasn't 100%. And it, it showed a nice building on the corner, big parking and all that. And, uh-huh. Well, when I walked up, that wasn't the address. And all of a sudden, I hear John a couple of doors down. Hey, Dad, come on over here. And I'm walking at this little storefront church. Oh, okay. And I'm thinking, this, is, this isn't for me, you know. And all of a sudden, I hear God say, Oh, Mr. Big Shot, you want to start really big, and then you want to come and help the other churches to grow, huh? And looked at John and said, it looks perfect. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Hey, Dan, let me ask you this. Um, Tell us about the show, because your life is fascinating, man. Mm -hmm. Just the story, the uh, the, the, kind of the way God has directed. Well, now you're going to have this show on Sunday morning. So tell us, if people listen, what can they expect during that show? You know what? It's... um, I, I pulled away from the ministry for a while, just took a break. I run several companies and then also was doing the, the, the uh, church. And uh, uh, so, I mean, some, sometimes I couldn't even get till, you know, at six o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night to write the message on Saturday before service on Sunday. And sometimes my proofreading was literally giving the message. So I, I, I finally pulled away for a little bit, but uh, Roger Piper over at Salem there, uh, you know, we, we use uh, uh, Salem also for our other c- uh, companies doing advertising. Oh, and okay. Like, hey, man, I, I, I went on, I saw, you know, a couple of your messages. I, I think we need to get this out. I said, okay, well, what's that mean? And so he talked about, you know, the show. And that's kind of how I told him I wasn't ready yet. And he, you know, kept pursuing me, which is great. And uh, the time came and we decided to start the show. And uh, uh, the show is called It's Time. Mm. And it kind of funny because god had gave me a message about its time not a radio show but about its time um uh, months months prior to john, uh, to roger bring it up to me and that's kind of how we started the show so basically it's a a show of uh, messages you know from the bible that we we want to bring back uh, to people where they can relate it to everyday life and uh, nice. you know we don't want to miss a jot or a tittle of course out of the bible and we don't want to misconstrue anything but how can the show be relevant for somebody today? Mm. And that's how, how we kind of launch So it. fantastic. Well, Dan Lights is the host of the new AM 1160 show, just like he said, called It's Time. You can catch it on Sundays at 9 a.m. Be sure to tune in to find out more about Dan and about the Word of God. Dan, thanks so much for Thank being you, here Dan. with us today. It's been a pleasure. And also you can go to danlights.org, L-I-T-E-S. And it's also there along with the Salem. Fantastic. So grateful that you've been with us today. At the end of every show, we like to just somehow encourage you. And our friend, my friend, Sharon yes, Hodge Miller. Friend. Yeah, Brian was clarifying earlier. She is my friend. I, I'm sure she would be my friend yeah, if we you knew would, each you, other. You'd get along. I'm not I, against like her. Each other. <laughs> but I, I, we do not know each other. You don't know each other. Yes. So she is my friend, maybe one day Brian's friend. Sharon Hottie Miller, she's a pastor. And she wrote this on Twitter. Remorse is not the same as repentance. This is what distinguishes David from Saul. Mm. Saul felt bad while David actually changed. Hmm. Talk to me about that. Because I I thought, did David change? I feel Mm. like, I don't know. David seemed to get worse and worse and worse as time went on. So I'm very curious about, there were times when David felt remorse. You know, um, when he says to Nathan, right, like, yeah. I've sinned against 
God and God alone. But it does feel like, like, I don't know, am I right? You're you're the word person here in, in, in the team here. Is remorse... Am I thinking of it correctly to think remorse is I got caught, repentance is I want to change? I would think of remorse more as like actual sorrow. Do you think remorse is better than wrong. repentance? I don't know that I would say better at Just all. Not the like same. I'm not sure. I I think she's not distinguishing one th- is better than the other. No, I here. think she's well. I think she actually might be. To me, repentance is that image of turning, right? Mm-hmm, like you're turning mm-hmm. away. Remorse may just leave you with the feeling of regret, sadness, sorrow, but you don't actually do anything about it. Repentance implies you have felt remorse and now you're changing. Okay. Now you're turning. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It does. Uh, the David one is interesting because David's such a complex he's character. He's so complex. Because you've got... Um, He's a man after God's own heart. Yep, he is. Clearly chosen by God. Yes. Clearly the king, right? Yes. Like he's... Uh, he's faithful to the covenant. He calls people back to the covenant. He's stuff. a worshiper. You got he's... David and Goliath yeah. for his faithfulness. But then you got the Bathsheba story. And, you know, the Bathsheba story moves down to him getting Bathsheba's husband killed in the front oh, lines. Oh, it's terrible. And then you've got all the women and the concubines mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And then you've got, you know, just... The sense you just have, and and we always often preach that of like, well, God uses really flawed people, and but I don't know that David regularly was like, now I'm a changed man. I don't think so either. In fact, if you if you kind of read like the arc of the story, it just is like one rise and one fall. fall. Yes. I mean, and the fall and the fall, consequences. Yeah, and so I feel like a lot of David's story is that you, the Bible is literally not going. David's the man, it's saying, you thought David was going to be the man. David's not the man. We still need a man to come, right? Mm-hmm. And that, I guess that doesn't mean he wasn't repentant, but this, I I, I kind of went, did David actually change, question mark? Um, somebody here said, they're responding on Twitter, I've heard it described, one, remorse is primarily sorrow for the consequences of sins. Two, repentance is primarily sorrow for sinning against God. I don't know that you can make that distinguishing distinguish either, but okay, let's let's not necessarily debate about David and Saul. Let's talk about our own lives. Okay, for us, we are faced with our own sin. I feel like both remorse and repentance are the call for the Christian. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think we have to be heartbroken, if you will, or broken over our own sinfulness. But you're right; that repentance step is. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm now going to turn away. Like, that's the image we all use when we talk about repentance, when we're preaching about it. It's this, you used it. It's a physical Mm -hmm. turning away. Like, I'm going down that path, Mm -hmm. and in this moment, I'm now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, turning and going down that path. Like, there is a physical move. And like you said, remorse, I think that's the difference. I think remorse is I'm going down this wrong path. And I go, oh, and I feel badly about what I'm doing. Yeah. And repentance is, I'm going to do something about it. Like, I'm going to go the other. And that's a hard step to make. But it's, I mean, what did Jesus, what was Jesus's first little message? Repent for the kingdom of God is here. Mm. Like that, you know, the book of Hebrews, I always think about where it says, you know, you're running the race and it says, throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Yeah. A lot of times we ask ourselves, why am I not growing in my faith? The answer might be the sin that's easily entangling mm. you. Oh, that's and different. repentance is like, I'm going to get rid of that. Or I'm, and we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this, but I'm going to get rid of this. Or to use the imagery, I'm going to turn, turn and it. go towards yeah. Jesus. Before I was going towards X. Yeah. And now I'm going towards Jesus. Uh, and that's difficult. And I, the reality of life is it's a lot of going that way, going this way, going that way, going That's this true. way. It's a lot That's of back true. and forth. And that was David's life, I suppose, too. I suppose, too. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure Saul, you know, Saul, who she was talking about here, ever made that switch, obviously. Yeah. He, yeah. he felt remorse for the consequences of what he did, I suppose. But, yeah, the call, biblically, is repentance. It's yeah. turn from your sin. Yeah. Understand the forgiveness and grace we have in Jesus and then go the different direction. I wonder if remorse sometimes follows repentance. Like when you just actually like take the action step, I need to stop X, Y, Z, like, or I need to what turn from X, Y, Z. If once, if, if sometimes 
just knowing it's the right thing to do and you make the move, of course, with the power of the Holy Spirit, does the repentance follow, like sorrowful yeah. repentance before the Lord, and then you experience his forgiveness and grace. wonder if it's not always the other way around. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. interesting. It's interesting because yeah. it's such an important step in our faith. Like you, you're going to sin. The right. question is, what do you do with your sin? And not even just, yes, one-time sin, but like the habitual sin, yeah. the idols we talk about, yeah. the, uh, whatever else, where you look, like, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, hey, I'm in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. And repentance is, I'm going to change. Yeah. And in that change, I'm going to come and understand the grace and the forgiveness that I have in Jesus Christ. But so many of us, myself included, I'm sure, and other people we know, you keep going that path totally. that, away from Jesus, and you're like, well, where's God in my life? Yeah. I don't know. He's over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You're running away from mm. him. And, uh, you know, maybe it's the story of the prodigal son. The repentance there is like, I got to go home. I got to go home. So, I got to run home as fast as I can. Yeah, yeah. And thankfully, you're running home to the welcoming arms of the Father. All right. Well, that's interesting to think about remorse and repentance in all of our lives. Well, we will be back again tomorrow. From 4 to 6 Yes, we PM. will. I was like, I are we? I know. Are me we? too. I kind of said that what as a question. What day is today? We'll be back again tomorrow. <laughs> we will. Rest assured. Brian and I will be back we're gonna again get tomorrow. Rest. We're going we're gonna to get our, we're going <laughs> to we eat know a good what meal. We're going to be ready to roll. <laughs> we will be Top ready. Top five list tomorrow. Yeah. All we love Fridays because of that. It's going to be so much fun. Well, we will be back for sure tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.